You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Core Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host and rebuilder of the Devin Funches hype train, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys slash maybe all of the guys. We'll see uh, who we do have. We have resident old man and the duck father, Clark Barnes, and ginger clean shaven man and political wildcard, Nick Botterford, uh, working girl and Jordan Love super fan, Jordan Smith might join us at some point who knows the message has been sent out we shall see if he receives uh guys how are we doing today doing great pete good pete how you doing i am doing well you guys want to hear something uh kind of crazy yeah this this is our 180th episode not normally a number you celebrate but that's a an impressive amount of uh, content we've produced over the what three years now that's i'm that's impressed lot. Yeah. Yeah. Pat's in the old back to us. And Pat's so in the we'll, old back to you listeners who stuck around. Will we be hitting 200 like right as the season starts? Uh, I feel like that probably would be right. Well, let's that. Close. We, we do one a week, 20 episodes left, 20 weeks from now. We'll start doing more when it comes Once draft it gets time, closer. right? That's Couple, true. Yeah. yeah, we'll go back to we'll go back to twice a week and and maybe we'll line it. Man, yeah, if the NFL, I mean, maybe even the delay in the NFL season that could slash might happen could really work for us too, because it could even extend their uh, their off season so that we could really milk it and get that two hundred right on the uh, on the first day of NFL action to you know really make a big big deal out of it. Really, something that all of the internet can celebrate with us. The NFL is going to start on time. All the games might be played in the South and other relatively free states, but it's going to happen. Yeah. I am super curious to see if they just end up forcing players to like live in a, a, a tent city together kind of a thing. It's kind of, I mean, cause like with basketball, bas- bas- basketball, that's the whole discussion. The whole discussion is, is, or when they're talking about the playoffs is that it's a lot easier to quarantine playoff teams, which is already what, let me do some quick math in my head. Most of the NBA. Well, it's like half of it, isn't it? It's like 14. I'm, I'm good at numbers. We'll say 16 because that makes sense because there's eight seeds. God damn, I'm so smart. Anyways, uh, 15 people per team, six, uh, well, I just forget, 16 teams. <laughs> A lot easier to quarantine that number of people uh, you know, and coaching staff and personnel and all that jazz as opposed to quarantining 32 teams of 54 player, 53 players and coaching staff and all that kind of stuff. So it would be interesting to see what is the NFL's solution. And maybe, Nick, you're right. Maybe it is just like, we're taking over high school stadiums and we are going to have a giant uh, tent community that <laughs> that you can walk through. If we're going to talk about football, I will just reserve comment. Of, uh, yeah, that's just, yep. It's going to happen. You, would, you, uh, would you pay $20 to be a virtual 3D fan on the broadcast? 
No, I don't pay. Uh, I don't pay twenty dollars to watch the games. I do so. it by hook and by crook. Yeah. So you're not paying to to virtually just wave as a 3D person in the crowd when the camera cuts to you. No, I think no. I think you should be able to like on if that happens on the broadcast, you should then based on how much you pay, how much is equivalent to how much airtime you then get as a fan. So like a fan could come in and be like, Hey, I'm going to, I would going to drop $3,000 and I would like to be on the screen for a total of like 20 minutes. And ESPN has to figure out how to sandwich 20 minutes of you waving as a 3d model uh, into the game. That's a fine idea. They would charge so much. Uh, yeah. I was about to say that uh, it'd be unlikely that I would, go pay to see a game just because they're so expensive. But now that I live in the uh, communist Pacific Northwest, if I could go to a Seahawks game and irritate a bunch of people, well, then I would gladly do it. Clark, Clark going hard for that political wildcard title from Nick. <laughs> I feel like coming for that Nicker, game. I'm fine with him being number one and me playing second fiddle on that one. I feel like we're, we're close already. I think I'm pretty coherent. That doesn't preclude you to... from being a wild card. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Still, um, I feel like we have different definitions of wild card. Yeah, it's I, you, you yeah, can be you can fair. be co- yeah coherent as a wild card. Cogent, coherent. I, yeah, all those c words. So what? Yeah, I guess I'm 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 just not to, to digress here too much, but Clark, I'm I'm very curious to know how you would I guess distress the people of Seattle just by going you, and existing and not okay. wearing all of the mandated things. It's gonna be fantastic. Mm, no. Rub it in their protesting? face. Yeah, Mark literally. Like, rubs, I make enough money to afford to do this, and I don't think I should give it to you. Hmm. Things like that. Wear my Monopoly monocle oh, no. and top hat. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yes, that's uh, up here. That's called the Robber Baron. I don't know if you've seen the gifts of Pete Carroll with the animated Robber Baron attire as he's strutting down the field. So to me, that's a reference to U.S. history. So I'm I'm familiar with the old Robber Barons. I'm I'm in. Okay. Well, we had lived it. Clark was here. there when the yeah. robber baron existed. Right. I still remember what it was like in Ludlow, guys. <laughs> and if uh, anyone gets that, if you could please tweet, one person got that reference. One person, I would one make person make Clark feel like he is not alone in this world. Uh, anyway, all right. schedule. Schedule. Or news. Or, or, I don't yeah. know. Sorry. Well, we got news. We got the schedule. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk stank, stank, bleh, stank of schedule. That's what it should be called. Am I right, yeah, you guys? No That's a stanky schedule. Uh, some strength of schedule. But uh, first, yeah, let's hit some news. Not too much going on in the NFL these days, obviously. Uh, well, first news poll bulletin I wanted to hit on though was something that came out today. The Eagles, and this is a direct quote. Want a powerful volume running back who can handle 12 to 15 carries per game. They'd also like a guy with slightly more pass catching ability than they got from LeGarrette Blunt a few years ago. And that is from Holden uh, Kushner of Holden Radio at Holden Radio. Uh, it's a report on uh, NBC Sports. I think I just gave a shout out to some random guy who tweeted the article and not actually the person who reported it. But hey, props to you, Holden, for making it onto the show. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. This people have tied, and it sounds like the Eagles are tying Carlos Hyde to to it as well. Oh um, yeah, baby. Which which Clark is all for. I just why why well, I understand the vibe of like yes, we want to have a 
another back. Another back is fine. But why can't we just accept the fact that Miles Sanders should be the lone star in this field? And why are we trying to get a, get another running back into Philadelphia who's going to take 12 touches away from him? Nick, talk to me. This kind of room I gave for a little bit. So the thing is they have a really talented backup in Boston Scott already. He's a very similar player to Miles Sanders. He's a a pass catcher. He he runs well, but uh, he's a a versatile dual threat back. And I just think that like, if they're concerned with Sanders, who's not, I don't think very slight of frame. I mean, I am off the top of my head. I think he's like five eleven, two fifteen kind of a thing. Um, I'll check that out, but I mean, I like what Bert, is that's information Hyde, around it. What what is Carlos Hyde bringing to the table? I, I just yeah, he's five eleven, two eleven. Um, that, like that's that's fine. You know, Pete Carroll thinks that you win by running the football, and he likes to quote that all of the like top five leaders in rush yards are all between it's like five nine, five eleven, and two ten and two twenty, but. Um, I just don't get it. Sanders is so friggin' talented. And when they unleashed him at the end of last year, he ran and caught all over everybody. Boston Scott did the same thing when everybody was banged up. I like deploy these two split it, you know, 18 to 12 with those two guys. You just, I don't know. Carlos high. He's just sucking the life out of every backfield. He goes to, if it is 12 carries. Okay. But 15, God damn. The extra body makes complete sense because Carlos Hyde is okay. And he has been around for a long time. And if he's the third string guy and he's going to get in there and uh, run into the back of the lineman for a couple of plays because the coaching staff wants to spare their young backs that they've got on a great deal. Well, in that case, I feel like that's fine. You need three or four talented running backs in the NFL. It's kind of a, it's an anomaly for someone to get 360, 370 touches and make it through the season. Uh, I'm hoping that the generally more progressive Eagles staff is going to deploy Carlos Hyde like that instead of the Neanderthalic Texan staff who's like, lead back. So fingers (laughs) crossed. I like Miles Sanders. I like the Eagles offense. Uh, Carlos Hyde as a body is fine. Carlos Hyde as a, we're going to have a thunder and lightning. Well, shit. Now there's one fewer running back (laughs) to be excited about. The best thing that can come out of this is that all of this kind of smoke and whatever, the Eagles saying all this crap about how they want to bring in another back to kind of compliment Miles Sanders or, or be a 15, a 12 to 15 carry guy, then they ultimately don't do it. Like the best thing is that this just suppresses Miles Sanders' fantasy, you know, stock and that he kind of drops down a little bit and which will be primo because I think that if he falls into like, cause I think he's going in like the second round right now, which is, I think worthy because he's going to be very good this year, but that's a little, like if he drops into the third round, mm, perfect. I'm drafting him everywhere. So I just I'm going to I'm going to drum this news up as a as an eventual reality to help suppress his value a little bit. Yeah, this is the kind of move you used to be able to take advantage of in those early best ball drafts if you didn't live in a socialist hellhole like Washington. Yep. We're going to have to explain what socialism is at some point, but now is not the segment. We'll save that for the political podcast. Uh, Also in running back news earlier, I think it was late last week. The Jets signed Frank Gore, who just oh boy does not retire. The man, and the crazy thing about Frank Gore is, is that you feel like he's you know, and eventually the guy has to stop playing, like not just playing football, but also playing well. 
had almost 600 yards, had 599 yards on 166 touches and two touchdowns last year. Is that great? No, but it's better production than I thought he had. So there you go, Frank Gore. Way to way to make your way to New York and maybe uh, be the only running back under Adam Gase who could actually produce because you just can't not. Uh, this one's tough. It, it's really spooky that Gase was actually, you know, he wanted to bring this guy in. That's not if, – if you're hoping for a bell cow season out of Le'Veon Bell, you don't want the coach bringing in his, like, old favorite who he used to coach. I think uh, I'm not as excited about Bell as I am Sanders, just given the offenses and all that kind of stuff. But I think this like absolutely is a big hit to Le'Veon Bell. Oh yeah, Adam Gase, man. I just <laughs> there's no words. We should. I mean, it's 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 we want to bring the best information to you as possible, you the listeners. But I am starting to feel like maybe we should just put like a Adam Gase kibosh and just be like sorry anything adam gase related we just won't touch because what's the what's the benefit that he until he proves that he can actually help players reach their truest self and be fantasy viable starters if, you know until he proves that he can do that then what are we doing here why are we talking about it? If, if if he could just like be pete carroll and not like wreck careers just sort of exist and have like a, a decent team that would even be one thing that's like I'm not afraid to draft the Seahawks. I'm not happy about it, but like, I don't feel comfortable outside of Jamison Crowder and full point PPR, like drafting anybody on the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I'm going to stumble into some Denzel Mims stock because I just, I, I, I want to, to a certain extent, but I also am just like, God damn it. I, I really don't want to put any of my fantasy success in the hands of Adam Gase. All right. Well, there you go. That's the last we'll ever talk of Adam Gase on this show. Uh, finally in the news, this isn't fantasy relevant. It's just a feel good story. Uh, late last week, a video surfaced of Alex Smith working out again. Um, and there's also earlier in the week, a picture showing actually what his life looked like, uh, after the injury for those who like could stomach it. It was not pretty. It was absolutely disgusting. In fact, uh, and just seeing Alex Smith, like back on the football field, doing drills while wearing just a massive leg brace, but Props to this guy, because this guy has, like, his career has taken many different arcs. Uh, He was first seen as a bust and then helped lead San Francisco on a deep playoff run and then went to, what did he do after San Francisco? Kansas City? Kansas City. Kansas City. Got to the playoffs. Got to the playoffs there and then was replaced by Patrick Mahomes and then went to Washington and then immediately got his leg shattered into a billion pieces And like, if I were Alex Smith, I'd be like, and that is it. I am done. I have made millions of dollars. I will never play football again. Uh, But props to the guy to like having the courage and the, you know, ability and, and the, and the mental fortitude to constantly be working and to, and to get back into hope some sort of decent football shape, uh, at least be walking uh, and running and exercising. So props to him. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I, I would be sitting out not entertaining I don't know if he's actually seriously entertaining a return but the, the whispers out there are enough for me to just not understand what he's thinking here's to you Alex and that's that's it that's all we got in the news so uh we are going to take a look at the NFL schedule since they make a whole hullabaloo about their schedule release which is just the dumbest thing in the world but hey you know what we're sitting in the midst of quarantine with nothing going on. 
let's have a three hour ESPN segment about how great this schedule is as it gets released. Cause why not? Uh, we're going to get into that, but before we do, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. And now for the main segment of this week, I would like to welcome on the analytics king, Nick's favorite Twitter follow, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Warren Sharp. Strength of schedule read to us by Nick Potiphar. I <laughs> uh, sort of get excited there. Yeah, so I, uh, a couple of years ago, stumbled across Sharp and the work that he was doing, and I, I really didn't have a good understanding of how uh, what his methods were. It takes an understanding of how he came into prominence in the football world to really trust what he's doing. Basically, he, he came up uh, building um, a database and a number of algorithms for football projections, and his market was betting on win totals. He quickly became extremely successful in this. I think his, his win percentage right now hovers somewhere around like 64%. In the betting world, if you're over 50%, and we're talking like major bets, that, um, like people bankrolling and that kind of a thing. You're over 50. It's it's pretty astonishing. So to be in the, the mid 60s is awesome. Um, that being said, uh, th- that leads us into the way that he goes about projecting strength of schedules. If you check out like ESPN or NFL.com, you're going to be looking at strength of schedules that just show uh, a team's their their strength of schedules just based on who they're facing. Uh, and what their records were last year. So if a team went 10 and six, then that means it's hard. That doesn't account for offseason acquisitions, front office changes, all that kind of stuff. Vegas, however, does. Las Vegas, the, the, the sports books, they do. They spend months uh, digging through this. So what Sharp does is he makes the basis of his strength of season uh, scheduling based on Las Vegas win total. So you get a, a, a starkly different uh, picture. His analysis shows that looking at just last season's win records don't actually have much of an impact on this year. So yeah, he's incorporated this to great success. Like last year, I think this is on the Ross Tucker football podcast. Uh, he accurately predicted three of the top five easy schedules of 2019. And one of the ones that was in the top five finished in the seventh. Um, when his 2019 football preview comes out, he lists all of his historic, all of his calls from the previous years in there. He, you know, holds himself accountable all that. So anyway, um, and uh, just as a note, you, know, you can think about things from like the previous season. If a quarterback goes down and, you know, you don't have somebody like Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles to step in, a lot of times a team that could be really good, their record gets shot to hell. And so if you're looking at the traditional way of doing it, you, you're this team that has a really talented quarterback that is not going to be representative of their, their previous season's record. So 
uh, what we're going to do with this this uh, segment here is just break down the top five hardest and easiest offense or uh, uh, strength of schedules uh, for 2020. The there's can I make some, one, there's can some I make one amendment. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the stank of schedule is what we're what we're okay. Sorry, yeah. Just, just um, so the second saving schedule. my own face. So I think uh, do you guys want to start with the the easiest or the hardest? Let's start with the uh, hardest, and we can conclude okay. with the easiest and what we think that kind of how that impacts fantasy drafts and whatnot. Cool. So if you're curious, you know, I should just head over to sharpfootballstats.com. The interface for for working with um, his strength of stank of schedule stuff is uh, is very easy to use, and you can filter for a ton of different things. So what I did when looking at this was just looked at the overall difficulty of the schedule, and then looked at the breakdown of the pass blend and the rush blend. So basically, the overall pass defense uh, and rush defense of the opposing team is what we're looking for. Is is fantasy information so with the uh we'll, we'll go from number 28 up to 32 uh 28 being the the i guess fifth worst schedule in the nfl this year for warren sharp is the denver broncos he, they're going to face the 26th most difficult pat or uh, rush defense slate and the 31st most difficult pass defense slate so if you were getting excited about drew lock like i was now that his receiving core is loaded this might give you pause similarly with melvin gordon um, the, the 26 hardest, 26 hardest rush defense schedule is nothing to shake a stick at. And that's actually their easier, um, setup, right. With the, the past defense late being the 31st. So, um, this is going to be tough year for the Broncos. What do you guys think? How's this going to impact them? Yeah, I certainly don't love it. Uh, because you're right. This is a team that has a ton of off season hype, given all the weapons that they've added and that you're just hoping and clearly all of Denver is like fully on board the uh, drew lock train. And so they're all hoping that he comes to fruition. So having, having one of the tougher schedules is certainly nothing to nothing to, you know, ignore when you're looking at fantasy drafts. I still think that uh, Cortland Sutton is going to be a, is a lock for a wide receiver too, at the very least. Um, and, and probably will be a top 15 guy uh, in redraft leagues and PPR and probably standard as well. So I don't think he takes too much of a hit, but like someone like Jerry Judy, you know, who is a rookie coming in is going to have no off season. You're basically going to hit the ground running and see what he can do. I think he's supremely talented, but he might have a learning curve. Noah Fant. I know a lot of people have a lot of big expectations for him uh, this year, but the tight end position is so fickle uh, that, I don't really know how much faith you're going to be able to put into him. I, I think, I think you're right. And in a situation like this, I'm betting on the names that we know set in stone. And I think really in Denver, that's, that's Cortland Sutton. I I'm getting hyped about Melvin Gordon because of the role and because of the workload that could fall on him in Denver, the 28th best or worst uh, defensive front in terms of inter or facing defensive plate in terms of run defense has me a little worried. I don't think it would deter me too, too much from, from taking a shot on Melvin Gordon. The passing though is what worries me, especially since you're ultimately relying on Drew Locke to being, uh, being able to like step up to the plate. What I like to use this kind of stuff for is to, as just one piece of information amongst a lot of pieces of information with the Broncos, there was a lot of new things going on. Drew Locke in his second year, picking up some wide receiver talent, picking up a new running back, uh, a lot of question marks, and to hear that this team that was already kind of borderline a team that I might avoid is going to uh, 
be expected by a very sharp person, <laughs> pun intended, to also have a rough schedule. This is really kind of the, the nail in the coffin for me for avoids on people like Melvin Gordon, who you're probably going to have to take in the middle of the second, uh, end of the first, and betting on Drew Locke, who did, yeah. you know, didn't look great, uh, betting on a really questionable offense already. This is a really good block uh, building the wall of I'm not going to have any Broncos. Yeah. That wasn't good, but anyway, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I should have, uh, should have clarified just the way that he does the, uh, the like strength of the, the, the rating or the number rating one is easiest 32 is hardest. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, moving on number 29, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, they are coming in against the 20th hardest rush defense schedule and the 27th hardest, uh, pass defense schedule. Um, John Gruden, he showed really well in in his play calling last year. I think the way that he's doing the team building is still a little bit suspect. But I think that, you know, this it, there were already some concerns about Henry Ruggs's workload coming into this year just as a rookie. Given the fact that it's going to have it's going to be tough for them to just practice at all, and they're now facing a, a tough pass defense slate. I'm I think I'm kind of off the bandwagon here on what I was thinking would be an exciting rookie year. I think they'll do more with him than using him just as a downfield threat, but this does give me pause. Yeah, I get a lot of uncertainty. Uh, this is the time of year and leading up to preseason where rookie fever is huge because all we've had to do is look at rookies uh, coming up on the draft. And then we just kind of forget that outside of a couple of years, uh, rookies not that are not running backs uh, generally don't perform well in their first year. So a lot of overdrafted rookies that I usually look past again, another building block in that this is a team to avoid, you know, they picked up Mariota. I don't think that that's a uh, sign that Derek Carr is on the way out, but it is a move that you do if you're not completely happy with, uh, with your quarterback, it's a transition year. Uh, I, I like Josh Jacobs a lot because they're going to give him a lot of touches. And I believe, you know, Touches equal production at the running back position. And that's, you know, I don't know. This is, this is bad news for the Raiders. Yeah. So far, all this is proving to me is that I'm really fickle on passing games and I'm really timid and scared off by them. Ground games. I'll just eh, plow through the noise. (laughs) Like I was like, "Eh, I'm becoming supportive Melvin Gordon. So I'm rolling with it. And then (laughs) with this Raiders, while you were talking, Nick, I'm like, nah, Josh Jacobs, still take him, still trust him. So yeah, I was, he's in such an interesting situation. I mean, they, they re-signed, uh, what was Jalen Rashard and then they drafted Lynn Bowden who is, could play receiver. So, I mean, seems like Josh Jacobs, he's just being set up for a rush only type year. I guess if they load him up with 20 carries, then maybe you can kind of fade the noise and, and still, uh, keep space with them. But I'm, I, for one, I'm a little shaky on him. The Henry Ruggs thing. I think you're, I think you're right too, because I think he's, He's a guy, and we you talked about this on last week's show, where it's like Henry Ruggs could either see 130 targets and like just wow you because of the fact that he suddenly becomes the only slash number one receiver in that offense, or he could be someone that things don't quite click. It takes a little bit of time, and you know maybe he ends up with only like 60 targets, and he's not really able to to produce too much with that. So having a tough passing schedule doesn't certainly doesn't make that a that situation too too much easier. Uh, why don't you rattle off three uh, three through one for us? 
Okay, you got it. Um, three through one, uh, just moving quickly here, is the New York Jets, the New York Giants, and the Atlanta Falcons with the hardest schedule. Uh, the, the points that stand out here are the Jets facing the, the 27th most difficult uh, pass schedule. Whoa! As well as, God yeah, damn it. <laughs> yeah, as, as well as the Falcons facing the 30th. Um, and and in 2015 in in rush defense, so um, the Falcons they they wait. What was the Falcons' rush defense that they're facing? Falcons, they're uh, effectively the seventh most challenging run defense, defense schedule okay. and the third most challenging pass defense schedule. I'm I don't know what the the Falcons front office was thinking. They should have drafted CD Lamb as soon as he fell to them because looking down the barrel of this, like they they knew what teams they were facing. They just didn't know the order. Um, I, I can't believe that they're going to roll with 31-year-old Julio and just Calvin Ridley. And, I, and I, um, Hayden Hurst. How dare you? Wow. You heard it here first, you guys. Nick hates Julio Jones and thinks he's right, not yeah. a Hall of Fame wide receiver and should retire well, my, immediately. Okay. So we'll take the jokes. But I, will, I, I think that both <laughs> Julio and Ridley are awesome players. That is just – I mean, after them, it's like Russell Gage as their third receiver. You, you got to go look the names up. Um, it, it's rough. Yeah, this is – yet again, I'm like, hey, Todd Gurley, I'm still in on. <laughs> yeah, with that, they literally could give him, like, again, 25-plus touches a game. So, Let's do it. it go, go, Clark, yeah. So it, it, Atlanta's pretty good at moving the football. Matt Ryan is pretty good. I, even at his, uh, you know, near geriatric age of 31, I still think Julio <laughs> is fantastic. Calvin Ridley is coming up. Uh, this gives me zero pause about the Falcons pass game just because they are so talented. Uh, the Jets and the Giants, this is just confirmation bias of I'm already not interested yeah. in anyone named, not named Saquon Barkley uh, or a screaming deal that's not going to happen on Le'Veon Bell on either one of those teams. I think the Falcons are more than veteran enough at the positions that count to overcome the passing game problem. This would this does raise pause for Todd Gurley breaking some ties against him because uh, you're. I think some there's going to be enough people who haven't drank the uh, Gurley has done Kool Aid. They haven't been burned by him. I think he's still going to end up going in the second or at least the third round. Uh, and this may be a good thing to keep in mind if you're if you like another back in that area to to pass on Gurley. Our, uh yeah, the the Giants and Jets. This is just for the proof you don't touch those offense. Before we go on to the easiest ones, Nick, are like Saquon is basically looking like then if you're going to take him in redrafts, you're taking him like top two, top three picks. Are you are you still willing to make that commitment because of the fact that last season he wasn't as productive as maybe we thought was? I know that had to do with injuries, but his it, he his work in the passing game decreased a lot. Uh, like, are you guys still willing to pay that rich of a price tag for Saquon with this tough schedule in front of him? That's a fair question. So, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, he's coming off the board, number one. Um, the Something I, I had in my notes here, the Cowboys are facing the ninth easiest schedule. So, I'm probably going to plop Zeke ahead of Saquon there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. And and then, I mean, the, the other two I'd be considering would be Kamara and Dalvin Cook. The uh, the Saints are 23rd most challenging schedule this season, and I'm just trying to. And Vikings are 13th, so I wouldn't have an issue with dropping Barkley uh, past Zeke and yeah, and, Dalvin. and Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and then I don't know, maybe a toss up between him and Kamara. 
Yeah, I think I. Uh, it, it's time to put together the the top one hundred again, and just a quick conversation Let's here. Let's do it, I think Clark. I, I think I'd go with Zeke as number one again. Uh, not because I think that he's better than Christian McCaffrey, but just uh, you have to pick. And Zeke with that offense, I think, gets the edge. And yeah. and this is a, a great way to look stupid, saying that you think Zeke is one over McCaffrey being two, because if I ended up with McCaffrey, I would be ecstatic. But Barkley does kind of get pushed down to that end of the, oh my God, I'm excited that I got this elite running back category. Not because he's not amazing, but because he he's, is still on the Giants. And yeah. if they're going to have a tough rush schedule too, I don't know. I'd, I'd be ecstatic to get him at number five, but he, he would not be my number two running back. Yep. That was uh, some good stank of schedule. Now, Nick, it's time for spank of schedule. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Let, uh, all right. You're yeah, doing really do, good. So this is, Thank you. This is I liked, I liked how Nick, how Nick was all in that before he really like consent, like understood what I had said. He's like, yeah. Oh no. I immediately regret, <laughs> immediately regret agree, agreeing to that. Yeah, it was really gross. So um, <laughs> the uh, the top five here is pretty interesting. Uh, teams one through four have some glorious schedules. Number five, though, is is a little bit different than the others. So number five, uh, easiest overall uh, schedule in 2020 is the Los Angeles Chargers. That being said, Ugh. they come in against the 16th most or 16th easiest run defense schedule and the 26th easiest pass defense schedule which means they're playing a tough pass defense schedule yeah now they're also playing a bunch of teams evidently that don't have very good offenses what i think this amounts to is a whole lot of ball control and not very exciting foot you know depending on what your philosophy is not very exciting football out of the chargers i think this is bad news for the pass catching core um but and i think it's bad news for austin eckler i think we got to try to figure out who's going to be carrying the ball as the the grinder, is it is it their rookie? Was it Josh Kelly or is it Justin Jackson? Yeah, I was just thinking, who's the fourth string running back that no one's excited about but has played for a while? Like, hmm, starting to get real tempting on that flyer pick for the Chargers. Yeah, that's a. I think you're you're right, especially when you have either Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert under center. Like, uh, if you're playing teams that aren't going to light up the scoreboard, then why why bother trying to push those guys into situations maybe they're not entirely comfortable in obviously they will have two games on their schedule that they're going to have to put points on the board when they play the chiefs but they could just get killed they could not put any points (laughs) they could just roll over yeah we give up we're not going to win the division anyways (laughs) and 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 another uh another thing in the you know chargers backfield is something to investigate deeply they have a really boring uh defensive-minded head coach so those uninspired guys often really love to find a pedestrian running back and just give him the ball 30 times. Yep. That's fair. So just to, to grind this in, I mean, they, they do have to play a couple of prolific offenses, but they're also looking at um, the Bengals and then the, you know, the Bridgewater Panthers, Jets, Dolphins, Jags, Raiders, Broncos, eh, Falcons, uh, Raiders, Broncos. There's a lot of middling offenses in there that are not going to push the pace. But they're they're definitely a team. You're right. They're definitely, and I don't know what four through one is because I'm I'm waited with bated breath. But yeah, they seem like a team that the strength of schedule doesn't necessarily get you more excited for them from yeah. from a fantasy standpoint. Give us four through one. Yeah. Okay. So this this is gonna be fun. So uh, should we? Should, yeah. Number four, Baltimore Ravens. Oh, uh, they're coming oh, in with, yes. with the oh, the God third, damn it. 
easiest slate of run defenses and the sixth easiest slate of pass defenses. Um, the NFL, what are we doing here? <laughs> He's still in my heart. Oh, my God. Fuck, fuck worrying about Mark Ingram and, like, the touches in that backfield. J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, they're all going to eat. It's Yeah, uh, it's going to be real interesting, and especially, I'm, I mean, if, if Ingram looks phenomenal and you happen to have drafted Dobbins, I, I think he's probably going to be like flex Dobbins at his flex worthy. You can sell him, you know, at, at some point during the year, like and keep the bell cow. I, yeah, I, I, I like this a lot. Um, How does the best be running team in the NFL wind up with the third easiest run schedule? That's incredible. I love it. I'm here for it. hundred yeah. percent. Uh, okay. Moving on. Number three. I, uh, this, this one could be interesting. Uh, the Cleveland Browns face the eighth easiest pass, uh, run defense schedule, excuse me. And the fifth easiest pass defense schedule. So I don't we want anybody. Little... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, we talked a little bit about where to draft Otto Beckham jr. And for me, it's high. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And, and everybody else too. Yeah. Go, go for it. Clark. Let's do this. So I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in coaching changes, changing teams. When you had a really talented team underperform so poorly, uh, there was a lot of turmoil in Cleveland last year with all of the shenanigans going on. Steven Stefanski, 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 who, who runs the uh, semi, you know, Shanahan Kubiak style of zone running, rolling out the quarterback, moving guys around, playing as if you are an intelligent football coach style of offense gets me really hot and bothered every year. I think Chubb ran a lot of zone stuff in uh, in college, and even if he didn't, I don't care. We trust in Nick Chubb. He might get into that top three or four running backs for me this year. I'm super excited. I think that a coaching change uh, and a second year together for all of these guys does the Browns really good. Uh, and then to hear that they also may get mm. some uh, favorable scheduling from the gods makes me even more excited about the discounts you're getting on all of these guys. We just talked about our top five running backs, didn't even mention Nick Chubb. So moving on to number two, uh, (laughs) Tennessee Titans coming in with the second easiest rush defense schedule and the 13th easiest pass defense schedule. Derrick Henry will never die. (laughs) (laughs) This is incredible. Oh my God. I love it. This is exactly the narrative we needed for Derrick Henry coming in off of that incredible season last year where everyone's everyone, as soon as the season ended, you know it, I did it. I did it in my own head. I was like, you know what? Derrick Henry is coming off of an off season, like the last five weeks in an off season where they worked him to the bone. He's going to be so dead tired. Like don't draft him in fantasy. He's not going to live up to expectations. And now that the Titans have one of the best schedules, I am back in baby. The only thing I'll say is he, he led the league, I believe, in rush attempts, rushing yards, and touchdowns. <laughs> I think he's going to do it again. Like, if you can get good odds on that, <laughs> put the money down. This is incredible. Yeah, I bet against Derrick Henry last year, and uh, I feel like that wasn't <laughs> one of my best takes. And, yeah, the Titans franchise tagged him. Uh, they are headed by a defensive-minded coach who doesn't seem uh, – like a troglodyte so i think this offense looked really good with just a competent quarterback last year and a strong defense and they showed us at the end of the year what they can do now if they start off really slow 
then we'll know that the Titans are just not good at football the first half of the season. Well, then you'd want to line up Henry for those trade targets. It's, yeah, uh, the get him on your years. team for the playoffs. Yeah. So no, but maybe. this is yeah. this is this is great for what for the for those hoping of seeing what we saw when Ryan Tannehill took over the offense, continuing into 2020. It seems is that like you know is if if the Titans were to wind up with a really tough schedule maybe it would still come to fruition that we would this this passing attack this explosive passing attack we saw last year with AJ Brown and a little bit of Corey Davis and obviously Ryan Tannehill moving that offense that you know maybe it would falter but given the fact that it has another it has an easy schedule lined up for it like it seems like everything is there for this offense to kind of keep doing what we saw it do last year and maybe like maybe start drafting with that with that kind of confidence and treating them like they are that team heading into 2020 yeah, I think the the only thing that um, such good news gives me pause about is what they're going to be doing with AJ Brown. He his uh, a really nice predictive year to year measure is the yards per route run, and he's up there in like historically elite territory at, at, at such a young age. I think the world of him, but I I am concerned that there are going to be some times when he just gets game scripted at a sure. game. I think he's worthy of being a top 15 wide receiver, if not top 12. Um, but I, I do wonder if there's going to be some weeks where you just go, yeah, I, I think there's going to be 23 rushes from Henry and they're, they're going to pack up and head home. All right. Number one, who is it? Who has the easiest That's schedule? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> it is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. Easiest uh, slate of run defenses and the fourth easiest slate of pass defenses. So, any concerns that we had about Jonathan Taylor's uh, dropping of passes, I think we can kind of put those to rest. I think he's a lot to be over a thousand yards and put up some TDs. They're, they didn't, they, you know, they, they brought in Phillip Rivers. Uh, they're trying to win right now. They drafted a running back early, and that offensive line, I think, is the best in the league. This is going to be a, a run happy offense and, and rivers he's going to do some fun stuff too but i'm pretty excited about jonathan taylor are we just done with marlon mack what's the word is, is it yet to be determined or are we I sharing think, I, think I know they spent be, a ton of graph uh, draft capital it sounds that. like they're going to be sharing uh, so take that for whatever it is i do think i think that what you'll see is kind of what i would expect from most of these rookies in that Probably the first half of the season, it's probably going to be Marlon Mack heavy. And then as Jonathan Taylor learns the playbook, gets better acquainted with the NFL, gets, you know, we'll see his touches and maybe his, his uh, bulk of the offense rise. I have no idea, but I, I do think that it's going to be something where you're, they're both going to see touches, obviously. And I, I also think that Naheem Hines is going to have also sneaky value considering that he has that passing role, I think, pretty locked down. And we've seen what Phillip Rivers – I know last year was a little bit skewed given just that how quickly Phillip Rivers needed to get rid of the ball uh, given how shitty the Chargers' offensive line was and, and how involved we saw Austin Eckler in the passing game. But I do think Naheem Hines also is going to have a really nice role in this Charger, uh, this Colts offense. This is great for – hopefully a healthy T.Y. Hilton. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to get, like, I'm getting hyped about him now. Uh, this is, I think there are maybe better offenses that I would have loved to have had the number one spot. But uh, but uh, having the Colts here is, is certainly exciting, to say the least. Clark, how do you feel about two the one and two spots being 
AFC South teams, probably because of the fact that the rest of the AFC South sucks. I just feel like it's uh, West Coast, East Coast bias. <laughs> uh, you know, these are just people just out to get the team that I like. Personal vendettas. It's fair. Um, you know, I don't know. I as much as there is up in the air for the Colts, uh, I, I believe in Frank Reich. I think he is a fantastic coach. If, if if not just a fantastic offensive mind, uh, Jacoby Brissett is a good backup quarterback, and we'll see if Philip Rivers is more than that late in his career. I, I think that he is. Watched him play last year; it was rough, uh, but he had some pretty rough circumstance to put up with. So I think the Colts are going to be super interesting this year. I haven't heard a lot about T.Y. Hilton. I know that he is a lot uh, smaller than uh, what Phillip Rivers is used to throwing to, but T.Y. Hilton is not just a little guy who runs fast, pretty good route runner has been around for a while. So might be some sneaky value on the, on the Colts. I I'm kind of wondering if Paris Campbell can end up taking over sort of the Keenan Allen. Um, he, he's, you know, he's primarily working the slot. I think that that's going to be his role. Uh, more so than anyone else's. And and I think he's going to be somebody that I'm going after. Um, regarding the running backs, though, to expand on, on the pass catching aspect, Tommy, if you've you know, heard this before, there's been so much talk about what is going to happen with the, the pass catching back role. I have never been a fan of Naheem Hines. I always thought Jordan Mopins would beat him out back in the day. Um, he, Silva's whole thing is, is, and you know, again, this is Tommy, if you heard it before, and, and, and I've seen it too. Mac is a really good pass catcher. And I just don't understand why he's not given that role. And, and, you know, that's what the ETR guys are pushing and, and they've sold me on that completely. I think it would make way more sense to just kick Hines to the curb, let him return punts and uh, get Taylor and, and Marlon Mack out there splitting touches like 15 per game. And at that rate, with this schedule, they go 80 yards and a touchdown a piece. No problem. Awesome. Well, round of applause for Warren Sharp for doing all of this strength of scheduling. Great work by him. Uh, a light clap for Nick for reading it, but really it's I not your own by work. Nick, leading the segment, <laughs> bringing this to us. Well so done, I kind of, I, I drop out on a lot of news uh, during the, during the off season. Cause a lot of it is just the echo chamber, but this was a, uh, I appreciate you bringing this up, Nick. This was, this was enlightening. Yeah, it's been exciting. You know, I, I think we've all in the in the COVID era been looking forward to, to some fun things happening. And I think football, it, it feels like football is back finally. The the draft, I think, kind of sparked a, a flame in all of us. Um, yeah, this, the more info we get, oh man, the more we can drive ourselves in circles trying to digest it all. <laughs> right. Nick's, Nick's, got, Nick's now had a taste for hosting and he is he is loving he's thriving on it right now he got he knows the rush the feeling of hosting clark knows it too clark knows what it's like very very happy to be (laughs) just a part of the team you guys are doing great uh well we all did great today and you the listeners did great listening to us so round of applause for everyone on the show make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts uh itunes spotify stitcher the whole nine yards we are there uh follow us on twitter at rb1 podcast you can follow myself at pete m rogers follow clark at follow nick at ginger underscore underscore nick without nick yeah nick without a k I don't know why I stuttered on the part. thought that I was so absurd that I said that. Anyways, we'll be back next week. Until then, peace!